Welcome to Basketball on Figueroa, the only podcast breaking down the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia. Joining me today, as usual, is Dar E and Lizzie, aka Dime Dropper. And before we start, Dime, I'm not doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great, honestly. I'm 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 happy for you. I'm happy Thanks, for you. Man. Uh, I wish I could say the same, but I cannot. Uh, I could, but it'd be a lie. So that's where we are in Lakerland right now. Uh, I think we should just jump right into, normally we do this in chronological order, but let's just jump into the Lakers Hawks. It just finished a couple hours ago. I was busy writing the recap for Super Screen and Roll and did the player grades. As you can guess, you know, I handed out more Fs than a high school math teacher today. Because it was it was that kind of performance, unfortunately. Uh, normally, I'm the more upbeat one, the more you know, centered, rational, intelligent, handsome Laker fan, and I'm still a lot of those things. But today, I was not uh, maybe as rational, or it's hard not to look at what they've given the last two games on the back-to-backs and not say, I mean, like context be damned this is this is not good so let's jump right into it uh 138 122 uh lakers lose to the hawks again the context is hey it's in the second night of a back-to-back you had no anthony davis who clearly you know hurt himself in the warriors game we'll talk more about that later so he's out because you know he also played in the first game of the back-to-back so uh you know he, he needs that rest I don't, I don't think anyone would call this load managing because you saw the injury this weekend and also saw kind of how hobbled he was in the game prior. Again, we'll, we'll get into that later. But the point is, no AD, and that was a problem. I mean, we've talked about if if you ever want to make a case for AD is the most valuable player on the Lakers, watch this game <laughs> and tell me who's more valuable. It's clearly Anthony Davis, especially defensively. Team didn't have anything. But it was more than that time. It was defense. It was effort all around. Uh, both sides of the, of the floor, they were just – they just didn't bring it. And the Hawks, what was weird is they won, but they didn't even look good. They just looked like not awful. <laughs> and that was the difference. They were okay, and the Lakers were awful. They were poor defensively, uh, poor on rotations. Uh, the offense struggled to get going. They only scored, you know, uh, 32 and 34 in the third and fourth quarter. But the first half, they just they just couldn't break the 30-point mark, which in the modern NBA, that's not even hard to do. And they, they couldn't get it done. It was just an ugly game, ugly loss. Um, I understand uh, – Darvin Ham's logic starting Jackson Hayes. I don't agree with it. I don't think anyone would, but maybe you're like this as a coach, Dime, but I've seen plenty of coaches who, when they really like their bench, they don't move it even when there's an injury to the starting lineup. I saw it in high school. I saw it in grammar school. I, I've seen it all the time, so I'm not surprised Ham did it. But you have to think, okay, if this guy's getting DMPs and playing three or four minutes, maybe he shouldn't get to start and play like 24. He played more tonight than he ever did as a Laker. And Jackson Hayes wasn't ready for that. And it showed. He just, he wasn't able to, to defend. He wasn't able to uh, be a rim protector. You know, he, he scored okay on his shots, but he, he just wasn't ready for that kind of moment. And yeah, you kept Christian Wood in his role. And guess what? He did a good job in that role. But guess what? It didn't matter because every time he came in, the Lakers were already trailing. So uh, he helped what he could, but it just didn't work out. And yeah, it was just kind of a train wreck of a game. Even for LeBron, it was just an okay game. He seemed pretty frustrated. We'll mention a, a couple things in the timeline in a moment, but uh, just give me your thoughts here of uh, the Lakers kind of, you know, getting steamrolled by the Hawks here. I actually, this is the one game I did not catch this week from the Lakers. I saw all the other games, but I didn't catch this one. No Anthony Davis. We have talked about it, as you said, 
The Lakers just can't guard without him at all. I mean, the amount of points that they allow to all these teams, they, they, they don't even look competitive without him. And, yeah, that's that's rough because Atlanta, we know they've been really struggling this year. They've been lower than expectations or performing under expectations. And, of course, this was a look at DeJounte Murray, who had a really good game, and then D'Angelo yeah. Russell on the Lakers side, who has been playing amazing basketball. I'm going to probably talk about that in this episode. But I think he had a rough one in this one, right? Yeah, yeah, three for 11, nine points. He was he was bad. Uh, there was a, a moment that kind of was going viral on Twitter where the Hawks fans were chanting, we don't want you, while he shot free throws. So <laughs> it was really rough. He also had an exchange with uh, Murray at the end of the game. Nothing bad. They were just, like, saying hello or whatever, but they were chopping it up. And, of course, people were like, well, I wonder what they were saying or, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of drama. Uh, I called it the DeJounte Murray Invitational. <laughs> I'm not sure if the winner or loser gets them, but uh, the Lakers did lose the game, so we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, it was just a, a lot of negative vibes. Uh, I, I don't think really anyone played well for the Lakers. Uh, even Reeves, he had 28 points. But, uh, spoiler alert, dying, he's not a good defender. And Trey Young was like, yeah, let me, let me get this guy. <laughs> and he got him quite a few times, especially early. Um, uh, unfortunately, there were so many bad defensive performances for the Lakers that Reeves didn't even stand out as the poor one, but he, he was getting cooked, especially in that first quarter. Uh, he did have a career, a season high, 28 points, so that was good, but 28 points and a blowout when you also were getting beat, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, it definitely takes away from it, but he had probably the closest to an okay game. Same with Wood and Vando. I feel like in their roles today, they were fine. But again, it was a blowout. So it's like, oh, okay, you just you gave a couple good minutes off the bench. I mean, that didn't. Re- that, we needed so much more than that. So, you know, a, kind of a, a, a silver lining if you want to see it. But that was about it. Bad, bad loss for sure. And like you said, once once AD's out, he and they they do call him the quarterback of their defense, and they do kind of funnel things his way. That's part of the game plan. But again, he's not there, and it kind of just shows how much he cleans up mistakes, how much he cleans up, you know. Um, penetration happening to the paint and the rim and how he's able to block, defer, get into rebounds and kind of fix all that. And when he's gone, whoa, man, you see what it is. They're, they're 0-3 in the games he's missed. He's only missed three games, thank goodness. They've lost each one. They have not won when Davis is out. And I think, um, you know, they're very lucky that they haven't had to figure that out for a long period of time this year because that record might look kind of ugly if um, the three games we have uh, tape of are like this if he, he missed more games. So luckily. So far, nothing says that it's a major injury. It just was like it's a back-to-back, and he's been, you know, playing through it for a couple days already. So hopefully he's back on Thursday. But before we get into our regular schedule here, we got to talk about LeBron. LeBron doing what GOATs do, go on Twitter and discuss what's going on. But he didn't really discuss what he did was – actually, you know what? I think Dime should explain what – uh, LeBron did. I think he can describe it better. Time. What, what what did LeBron do on Twitter, man? Well, he just did the lecryptic, you know, just uh, he put an hourglass emoji. Does that mean the time is ticking on Darvin Ham? Or does that mean the time is ticking on the season? I mean, you never know with this guy, man. <laughs> Wonderful emoji analysis, as always, from Dan. <laughs> he I mean, loves talking I, about emojis. That's all I got. It's like, you know, it's kind of like you're dating someone. You're like, hey, they sent me this. What do you think? <laughs> you know, it's kind of so that's, that's the conversation we're having right now. Um, I think, one, I wouldn't read too much into it. But LeBron knows what he's doing. When he does stuff like this, 
he he's probably doing it to troll because he's like, get a little of this. I bet you I'm, I'm going to tweet this out and everyone's going to go crazy, right? So I get it. Yeah, it is like cryptic. Um, but I think, one, there was an, another scenario that happened yesterday or earlier today with Christian Wood. He when, he when the news came out that he was not going to start, he tweeted out, LOL. That's it. And after the game, he said that it was an accident. He was trying to quote tweet something and put LOL, but he didn't. And it just came out LOL. Now, if you want to believe that, that's up to you. That is what he said. So technically, as a reporter, I have to explain what he said, explain what he did, and you can fill in the blanks. Do I think that's the truth? No. But how can I prove that he, you know, he explained it? That's all I can do. So, okay, take that for what you will. So maybe LeBron, inspired by the LOL, said, you know what? Why don't, why don't we all kind of forget how Twitter works for a minute? <laughs> and he could be like, oh, it was a picture of my son. I was putting the time, like it's time for him. I just I missed the picture or whatever. Uh, I'm sure he'll be asked about it. Uh, the Lakers don't practice tomorrow, so probably the earliest he'll get asked is if they have shoot-around uh, on game day on Thursday against the Boston Celtics. After playing these games, they got to play the Celtics, which, of course, you know, means they'll probably win and play great, and you'll be like, what the hell is this team? <laughs> Because that's the kind of year they've had. But I've said it before. They're an A student against A opponents and F student against F opponents. That makes them a mediocre C team. And LeBron did mention that in his uh, post-game press conference. I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the direct quote on me right now. But he was asked, you know, what does he think about this team so far? And he says, when we play our best, we can beat the best teams in the league. And when we play our worst, we can lose to the lowest teams in the league. That's where we're at. And I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly where they're at. So frustrating loss, but um, we'll see what happens with the cryptic. Uh, again, especially, I, I wish he didn't do it just because you see how much people read into stuff already. Like Right. And it doesn't probably he, help the coach, you know? Yeah. And, and D'Lo, and you saw the other day, D'Lo just, his eyes were watering. Everyone's like, oh, he got traded. This He's going to get traded in two hours. And of course, he's been playing for like a week already. And we don't, we, the trade line is coming up and he's still on the team. So it does kind of, you know, create a hoopla. I know he's probably just doing it to troll uh, because even what if he was that? doing something, he wouldn't but do it on purpose, you know? Like, what he, if he's not doing it to troll and he's actually trying to send a message to Genie to get him out of here? I think when this is LeBron when, James, not like he hasn't gotten coaches out of here before. Okay. So or tried. <laughs> so here's what I'll say. Maybe, but I think at this point in his career, if he wanted to do that, he would have done a passive-aggressive comment in his post-game press conference more so than an emoji. Okay, but what about uh, when he almost did? Remember, did you see that clip where he almost did? Yeah. He was like, thanks for cutting me off. Yeah, he – Um. oh, man. Okay, how, how are we going to go about this? It's clear to me, based on what I've seen, that LeBron probably isn't the biggest Darvin Ham fan. I don't think in the locker room there are many Darvin Ham fans. Um, you see it in what's not said. So it's a little bit interpretation. But when I see LeBron go to the bench, and when I see AD go to the bench, and they're always in the corners, and they're always on the sides, and they hardly talk to him. Anthony Irwin reported before that Reeves and Ham weren't seeing eye to eye. When you hear about, you know, that's the coach, that's up to the coach, you know, they're always asked about the lineups and why the lineups are. And, and they're right. That is always the coach's job. They're not supposed to play, you know, I should be starting more. You know, you don't want to get into it with your coaches, you know, about playing time, that, and especially not in public. 
But I think some of those answers are also because they're like, hey, you see it. I see it. Mm -hmm. Talk to the guy in charge. It's not me, you know? So I wouldn't be, I, I would still be surprised if that emoji is really that. I think he's just having fun and trolling a little bit. Um, because like I said, I think he would probably do it more so with a passive aggressive comment there. And like you said, he's, he's probably been holding back a lot. Like LeBron, people don't realize how high of a standard the guy has. I know you do, Dime, because, you know, you're, you're in tune with the NBA at, at a high level. But I think the general fan, I think the general fan thinks two things about LeBron besides all the hate. I think they think he's just a silly, goofy guy. And when he when the team's losing, he looks for a way to get help. And I think that's a very simplification of it. I think he is a silly, goofy guy. That's true. But he has a high standard. And when the standard's not reached, he demands it from everyone. Everyone. I've seen him, I've seen him stare down ball boys, stare down reporters. Like he's he's maniacal, similar to the people people admire, like Kobe and Jordan and, and all the other like type A guys. He's just as aggressive. He just he just also has fun on the side, which is the the part that like the emoji thing, like you know, probably not something you see from someone else in that era. We don't know, but probably not, right? Uh, that's the difference between LeBron. He still toys around a little bit, but make no mistake, you you mess up on rotations, you have a silly you know um, turnover, you're not where you need to be. I've seen him correct. I've seen him correct coaches on practice sets and defensive sets, and like he's he's on it. He's on the ball. So when he sees you're not on the ball. He he's gonna call it out, and he doesn't care who it is because he's he's LeBron James, and he's he's demanding the same from him that he demands from everyone else, and you gotta you gotta match it and reach it. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was some of that in there. And again, he knows what he's doing. He's also aware that he, it was gonna go you know nuts, right? Just sending a couple you know little little uh, sands of time emoji. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, I think the Lakers are already doing their due diligence. I think they're trying to find a way to make the team better. But as everyone who's looked at this, uh, you know, trade deadline and the players rumored, there really isn't, there isn't a, you know, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic guy out there. That's disgruntled. That's on the trading block. These are just okay pieces. And maybe a move would be better, but I have not heard of a move. I don't think you have either dime that takes this team from, you know, around 500 to, oh, they're going to be up there with the Nuggets. Like, it's just, the gap might just be too big. And with the players available, not really possible. So I think they can make improvements in the margins. I still think this team's going to be a threat overall. But it just might be too big of a gap to make up for those top, top tier Western Conference teams. Uh, even one of the ones that's across the hall, we'll see. But uh, that's just the scenario they're in. So I think it's going to be tough. But, but I... I expect the Lakers to make some improvements. I expect them to be better. And I wouldn't be surprised. I, I expect there to be some moves. Maybe they won't, maybe they'll rock the roster. Maybe they won't. Maybe there'll be something small. I don't know. We'll see. But we'll, we're we're coming up on that date now. Let's just answer this question and then let's move on to, to Lakers Clippers, which is the one we're going to talk about next. Um, do you think the Lakers make a trade? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, me too. I don't know if it'll be a big one, but I think they will. Okay, so uh, I think by next week, let's see. If we do the pod on the – ooh, if we do it on the 5th or 6th. Okay, how about this? Let's ask this question because the deadline is on the 8th. But as we know, we rarely get the blockbuster trade of the deadline. It's usually a little before just because it takes so much time. And, you know, eventually you got to dance, right? So you're not going to wait till the final hour normally. Normally on the deadline day, we get those small trades that are like last things left. We'll probably record the pod on Tuesday, February 6th. 
and the trade deadline is on February 8th. When we record the pod, Diane, will the Lakers roster look different? And we're recording it on the 6th? Yep. The deadline's the 8th, so they'll still have 48 hours to make a deal. Is it going to be the same roster as it is now? Same roster. Wow. So you think it's going to go to the 11th hour here? It's going to go late? Yeah. Now I'm trying to think. I'm going to just as I'm going to say it'll be done by then. It'll be done by then because I think to even get it done, it sounds from what I've heard, it sounds like it's still a little bit apart. So to close that gap, if it's going to be something like the Murray trade or something like that, um, they're going to have to act fast and act hard and, and try to iron out whatever kinks are still in that, in that deal. So I'm going to say it'll be done. We'll, we're going to record on Tuesday, February 6th, the podcast. It'll probably air on, on the 7th. And I think we'll be airing it saying, hey, new roster, and we're heading into the trade deadline. They might still make a move or two, but they made the big one. Because they made the Russ move before the deadline. That was that was quite before. Same with the Rui one. Um, there were days before, but it was before. It wasn't on the day of. It, it's kind of hard to do the day of. But we are also getting close to it already. It's only in nine days away, so so we're, we're, we're knocking on the door. So it'll be a curious thing to see. All right. Now let's go back to our normal schedule here. We got Lakers. Clippers, and the, obviously it's a big game. This is our, you know, hallway matchup here, and uh, Clippers took care of business. They got it done, 127-116. Uh, it was the first matchup this season that they've won. The Lakers won the other two, but but the, the Clippers I got this one. I was in attendance. It was my first time at a Clippers game ever, which is a huge asterisk because it's still a Lakers game, but it was weird. It's not, uh, I just, huh? We, it's not, though. The Clipper game. Well, yes, but what I mean is, like, I was still there's still like a lot of Laker fans. Like, I want to yeah. go to a Clippers game when it's like Clippers. Oh magic. yeah, I understand. okay, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it still had the vibe of like what I'm normally used to because it's still like a lot of Lakers jerseys and fans there. Even though Clippers definitely were like the dominant team, it was weird. Dime, uh, I've never one. I've never been to a Clippers game. It felt like I don't know if you ever gone to your home or an apartment you used to live in when you don't live there anymore, and stuff kind of got moved around. It felt like that. I'm like. It's almost what I remember, but enough is different. Like there's like a drum set and then there's like people bouncing on trampolines and like the colors are different. And then there's a cheering section and they, they were repping over there. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give y'all credit. That little, the baby wall is what I call it. Um, yeah, it was active. 207. Yeah. I wasn't there that game, but uh, you know, Laker against the Lakers, there's not going to be a empty seat in 207. No, no, it was, it was packed and they were active. You, you told me that I, I didn't have to worry. I was going to hear them, and I did. I was like, okay, yeah, they're there. And, and I, I, w- I was in attendance soaking it all in. So it was it was an interesting experience. It was definitely definitely a little bit different for sure. It felt weird to me because, like, it's the same stadium, but, like, why is everything in black? And, like, there's old English lettering everywhere, and you know? What do you think the ratio was? Because I was looking on TV, man, and it was not as many Laker jerseys as normal at Clipper Laker games. I'd say 70-30 Clippers. Really? Yeah, I think so. 70, Damn, 30, 60, 40 at most. I, I might have some pictures on my phone to look at, but I feel like it was it was pretty predominantly a, a Clippers. That's got to be Clippers the first in, first in a couple of, uh, I don't know, in the last two seasons or so, I think, because I went to one in 2022 and it was like 55, 45 Lakers at least. No, I feel like, no, I feel like it was definitely closer. 70, 30, 60, 40 for sure. Yeah. Think about it though. 
that makes sense because Clippers are doing really well right now. Lakers aren't doing that well right now. That's the recipe, right? That's the recipe. Your team's winning. They're playing well. They have all their stars. Everyone's available. And again, when the Lakers got going yeah, in that LeBron game, too. yeah, when the Lakers got going in the game, you could hear it, right? Like you could hear the crowd cheering for the Lakers when things went well. But their representation overall was mellow. And then add on to the fact that the Clippers played well. You know, by the fourth quarter, they were clearing out. Like the the Clip, Laker fans were leaving and the Clipper fans were staying, so they, they only took over the 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 stadium more. There wasn't much for the Lakers to cheer about in this game. Uh, the Clippers uh, took care of business pretty much the entire time. They had a dominant second quarter, outscored the Lakers forty two thirty five. They outscored them in the first quarter too. You know they kind of ran it. The Lakers didn't really have a, a significant push or a run in this game, and it was another one where. You know, my takeaway was just, again, a, a, a poor defensive performance by Austin Reeves. And, look, I love Austin Reeves. A lot of Lakers fans love Austin Reeves. You know, he gets maybe even more love than he deserves because he's a Laker and he, he's homegrown and all that stuff. But let's call it spade a spade. He was poor defensively. And I don't want to just harp on it too much. You know, he's poor defensively. Let's let's move on. But I will say for those Laker fans listening who are like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, it, it think about who it was, Kawhi and, and Russ. And, again, the question the Lakers have to look on moving forward, trying to improve the roster, trying to improve the team. Are these championship level players? And if the answer is no, you have to think, okay, can I move them for such a piece? Do I just keep them for now and something off season, whatever. Right. Because again, the Lakers have 17 banners as you're well aware of, but the goal is always 18. It's, it's for more. We're not just, you know, resting on laurels. We're trying to win here. It's time. It's time to win. It's time to win. So they have to ask those tough questions. And do I think Reeves can become a player that can be a rotation player on a championship level team? The answer for me is yes. Do I think he's that now? This kind of thing gets me scared because people are like, oh, these are good players. Well, guess who you have to play in the playoffs? Good players like Kawhi. Good players like Russ. Good players like Curry. Good players like SGA. Good players like Anthony Edwards. And people were like, oh, you know, it, it, that's Ham's fault. He's got he's to scheme better. He's got to hide him. I'm like, look, if I know this, and Dime, you know this, and NBA players know this, it don't take a genius to be like, hey, give the ball to Anthony Edwards. Who is Russ? Who's Reeves guarding? Hey, bring him here for a switch. <laughs> and then that's the end of the story. You got to be able to be good enough to de-incentivize the team from doing that. Because if you if you can hold your own for a couple possessions, they're like, hey, now you're killing our offense because you're, tr- you're you're matchup punting and it's not working. You might be better than him, but not enough to ruin our offense. Like, what are we doing? You know, and Steph has to – he still deals with this, but Steph has learned how to be a good enough defender to, one, discourage that kind of idea, and, two, punish you when you do it too much. And right now, I think Reeves is – part of the growing pains is being good enough to handle that and discouraging that by holding his own. And a game like this was a perfect example where – you know, he, he may he may not be ready for that. He was getting killed uh, multiple times. He got killed also in, in the uh, Atlanta game. We saw the, the tape on FIBA World Cup. They were doing the same thing. Again, the tape's out. You were a wonder a couple a year ago when you were just like, oh, it, it's all free money, right? Because you were just the, the wonder king who, who came up and rose. Everybody knows who Austin Reeves is now. And that comes with a level of attention that's going to also bring a level of scrutiny. And, hey. If you want the joy of being a Laker, you also got to take the heat of being a Laker. And when you're getting when you're barbecue chicken against the Clippers, we're going to talk about it. And, you know, we're going to give you the love. We got to give you the smoke. So what were your thoughts here about Lakers Clippers? That we didn't play that well, in my opinion. I thought it was too close for comfort throughout the game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had a really good game. 
in the sense that he had a triple-double only the second of his career. Harden had a good game and was really aggressive, honestly a little too aggressive for my liking in the beginning of the game. He shot 17 shots. Uh, Paul George shot 12. And Paul George, Paul George was very efficient, though. Uh, I thought we had a great game from Terrence Mann, 17 points, and then Russ was really good. But defensively, to allow 116 points to a Laker team without LeBron disappointed me. Cam Reddish was two for four from three in this game. He That, that was kind of annoying me. Um, but D'Angelo Russell, you know, continues to play well. 27 points, 10 assists. And then Jared Vanderbilt, I tweeted about this that night. He's got to get 25 to 30 minutes at least. I know you were talking about the minutes restriction and whatnot, but now you're starting to see how effective he is in the passing lanes and his off-ball defense and just what he can do defensively. He can get, he can force turnovers, make defense transition into offense nicely for the Lakers. So I thought it was actually a pretty good fight from the Lakers. If you're a Laker fan, I would think you would be satisfied with that effort. At least we got the win, but I didn't love the performance of the Clippers, but it is what it is. We got the win on to the next LeBron. Oh man. Wish you would have played him and beat him with LeBron. Hey, I mean, I think, I think that tells a story of the season you won and you're disappointed and the Lakers have to settle with eh, good effort without LeBron. So, you know, it, it's, it's a tale of, of two games, one probably overperformed, one underperformed and they're not the teams that they normally are. So, you know, we'll see how things go. Obviously, Clippers are, are rolling, and we'll, we'll get back to them in a minute. But first, let's go back to uh, the Lakers. They played the Bulls, another team <laughs> that they're uh, very um, much talked about with their players. You know, Zach Levine, is DeMar DeRozan maybe getting moved? Alex Caruso, the Bulls want two first for him, apparently, and, and then some. So the Lakers have also been connected with a lot of these players for many reasons. All that, you know, to the side, Lakers, this was a good game. 141-132. I feel like they took care of business. They handled handled it well. Uh, you didn't really see um, too much from the Bulls, I think, in terms of, like, putting up a fight once that second quarter kind of happened. Uh, the Lakers took care of business from there. That was really, you know, the blowout quarter. And this is, again, D'Lo, give it, D'Lo, take it away. Here he was great. 29 points, 10 for 18, eight threes. I believe that ties his career record. Um, eight threes. The most for a Laker was, um, I believe, either 12 or 13 by Kobe. I'll look it up really quick, but Kobe had the record. So I was wondering, okay, is he going to get to uh, the record for most threes in a game by a Laker? Which is, you know, the Lakers aren't the best three-point shooting team. So it's never going to be uh, too crazy. But uh, but yeah, D'Lo had a great game and they really blew it up in that, in that uh, second quarter. That was the key for me. And yeah, the, the Bulls are kind of trending where they're trending. They're meandering in the play-in there's not much hope for them making a trade or a move to go up so it's either you know maybe make a playoff appearance or sell and they seem to be sellers but they seem to be sellers who want to sell at a premium which is fair that's your right to do but that also might mean the question of those kind of teams have to ask themselves right now like the bulls is are you willing to walk away with nothing and just say we're going to go into next year with these guys and fine we're not taking your your quote-unquote bad deal so I'm curious to see what, what's going to happen there. Let, let me ask you this before we get into Bulls-Lakers. Is, is Zach Levine going to be a Bull post-February 8th? No. Wow, so you think regardless he gets moved? Yeah, I do. I don't know, it'll be, okay. I don't know if it'll be the Lakers, but I, I don't think it, it'll yeah. be a Bull. Okay, fair. I, I think you're right. I think they have to do something. And um, I don't – one, I don't want it to be a Laker because of so many reasons. Defensively, we've talked about, and – the contract I don't like, 
we'll see what happens. But I do think the Bulls have to do something. And they'll probably have to just take the best deal available from whoever that is. And from what I hear, it probably won't be the Lakers because I don't think they're going to offer the best deal available, especially if you're a person who loves draft picks. Um, so we'll see. But, yeah, I agree. I think I think at this point it's time for them to do something else. And, and this team clearly isn't good enough, and I don't think any – thing they can do is going to tweak it to the level that they want to get to, which is like being up there with New York and being up there with Philadelphia. They got a ways to go. Milwaukee, it's not going to happen. But from this game now, let's get back to the actual game. Uh, what did you see here in Lakers-Bulls? Lakers are scorching hot from the field and from deep. 61% from the field, 64.5% from three. Torian Prince was hitting his shots. LeBron was great. Anthony Davis had a double-double, but D'Lo was really the standout. Just the way he was able to turn it on, 8 for 13 from 3, as you mentioned. And then Jared Vanderbilt was 17. I mean, seven Lakers in double figures, you'll take that all day. Uh, Not the best defensive performance. 132 points is a lot. But you got the win. That's all that matters. And at that point, I believe, had the Lakers won 3 out of 4 at that point? Yeah. Right. They were rolling, yeah. So that was it, – it was all good just a week ago. So I think what's interesting about the Lakers right now is because since they're always flirting with 500, a couple wins makes you think, okay, the run starts now. And then, of course, the rug gets pulled onto you. And that, that's kind of – they're like a car that's stuck. And you're like, oh, I think we got it unstuck. And then you're like, no. <laughs> the minute you turn the wheel, you know, you fell back in the ditch and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't get out of it. But this was one of the good ones for sure. All right, uh, moving on. On Friday, we had uh, Clippers versus Raptors, the town that Kawhi built. And the Clippers took care of business. <laughs> they won 127 uh, to 107 uh, in this in this matchup here. Uh, to me, it's, it's again, it's always, I don't know, the way I like to look at the, the Clippers, you know, is it's Kawhi, Paul George, and Harden, kind of in that order. Even though Harden's definitely had some games he's outperformed everyone, I still think that those two are still maybe maybe it's just in my mind because they've been staples for so long. I think of Harden just underneath there, and I thought PG had a a pretty solid game. You know, the three point shooting wasn't really there, but you know, six for fifteen from the field, you know, fairly efficient, twenty one points. Harden eight for 14, 22. Um, and then you know you got a, a, a big scoring outburst from from Russ. Of course, we don't want to ignore that. Um, before we get into this game, Dime, how do you do? You, is that how you view the, the Clippers? Is like maybe it's more of a PG, uh, quiet team, and then Harden comes in as like the the cherry on top, or do you think that's kind of switched now that Harden's kind of consistently giving you the kind of production that he's known for? Mm, I think Kawhi PG team, but Harden has the ball in his hands the most. He runs the offense, and in this game, he had his first triple double as a Clipper. I believe it was his 75th of his career. So he had a very good performance, was able to get to the rim, make plays. And as you mentioned, Russell Westbrook, really, really good game. Two solid games in a row for him, Lakers and the Raptors. So, and Kawhi didn't play the entire fourth quarter. So yeah. huge. And, you know, that's the right way to load manage. You're beating the team by so much, you don't even need your best player in the fourth quarter. And that was really a relief to not have Kawhi have to come back in the game. And yeah, we took it home by 20, right? Must be nice. I must be nice to have your stars resting on a win. Uh, I, I hope to hope to see it one day. Yeah. Well, also Norman Powell, 17 points. Yeah, off 17 the bench. points. He's been really good. So 
Solid win. Toronto didn't have Emmanuel quickly or, or Jakob Pertl, though, so I'm not going to brag about that. Just taking care of business. You got to win the games against the teams you're supposed to beat, and that's one thing that the Clippers have done for the most part. Lakers have not. No, they have not. Yeah, that that's been. I think it's been the the most annoying thing. It's like, okay, great, you beat. We'll talk about one of their big wins coming up. I love it. I'm happy because at the end of the day, those are the teams you have to beat. Uh, where you want to go, but you might not get to where you want to go. You know, and beat the freaking teams that are clearly worse than you. Clearly worse than you. Uh, but let's talk about something good. A, a Clipper win, I can get a thousand percent behind. Clippers show you who the Celtics are, baby. 115.96. Whoop, whoop, whooping that shamrock up and down. I can't think of a, a street in Boston, so I'm just going to say up and down the boulevard. Causeway. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, Russ took a sip of that crappy Dunkin' Donuts coffee and spit it out. And he's like, what's with all this milk in this thing? And. <laughs> he took care of business, beating the Celtics uh, 115 to 96. I think this is only Boston's second home loss. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, second home loss. They've only lost to Denver and now the Clippers. So apparently, when they come out, when they when the West comes over there, they just they don't know what to do. I don't know. Is, is the East soft? Maybe. Maybe that's why, you know, when the West teams come to town, we'll see what happens. The Lakers come to town later. We'll see what happens there. Um, but uh the Clippers took care of business. You got um uh, leading points from Kawhi, 26-10 for 15. I mean, sometimes, every now and then, I look at, like, a Kawhi stat line, and I'm like, what? <laughs> 10 for 15. I mean, if you want more efficiency, you know, you better turn a video game on because that's the only way you're going to get it. But I really like how the bench stepped up. You got, like, really good, uh, you know, bench play. You know, Daniel had 8 for 9 from the field, 18 points. Um, you know, you had coffee. At, speaking of coffee, he was going. You know, you just got I think you got a good balance uh, from the bench. and. You know, I'm joking around about, you know, the Celtics as I normally do, but I, I was disappointed with their performance. I, I don't, I think they, they tried to rally in the fourth, but I, I really didn't think they had a, a great game. I was kind of underwhelmed by it. And uh, I know there was some scrutiny of, uh, you know, how Tatum played and, and, and Brown as well. That That's what I really, you know, kind of took away from it on the timeline. Of course, this, this was a marquee game and there's a little bit more eyeballs on it. And some people are like, hey man, what, what's going on here? And I think Tatum definitely gets an unfair, well, I wouldn't say it's unfair because he's a star, but I, I understand where he is in his progression, and I know he's not quite there yet. And I feel like this is kind of like the kind of thing that Jordan would have had to go through if we just pretend that Jordan's career happened now. This is like the kind of the early years, like oh look, he can't he can't beat the he can't beat you know the Pistons, he can't beat the, the Celtics. Like well, those teams are really good. Like he's not quite ready yet. He's he's working his way. I think Tatum's a great player. I hope he never wins a championship in the, in, in Boston. But if he would. I wouldn't be surprised because I could see the progression and see the growing pains and all that. And I think these games are a reminder that, yeah, he's got work to do. I don't think it means he won't get there. It just means that, yeah, like, get ready because th these are the top teams. Again, if you want to win the title, you're going to have to beat the best of the best and be the best of the best. And I think uh, Tatum falls short a little bit in this game as well. Uh, what were your takeaways from uh, Clippers Celtics? The Clippers are really dangerous. Like, we're very, very good. We destroyed them. We were up by 36. That wasn't just a 19-point win. Like, that was garbage mm -hmm. time. Our starters didn't have to play in the fourth. They've rested fourth quarters so much this season, which honestly hurts Kawhi's stats a little bit, which is something you won't be able to tell. But we've really had a bunch of blowouts, and when you don't play in the fourth quarter, that's going to hurt your stats a bit. The Celtics were also just atrocious. They have a really bad tendency 
to just chuck themselves out of games. Like just shoot threes over and over again. They generate good looks, but they just keep missing. We have something different, which is Kawhi embracing the mid-range, the post-game, trying to get those good shots. You mentioned his efficiency. He's efficient because he takes these smart shots. He knows exactly what shots are high percentage for him. He doesn't make things more complicated like a Paul George. And here's the craziest part, Edwin. We were up 36, and Russell Westbrook missed layup after layup. He was two for nine, and James Harden was two for 11. And I will say I am a little bit worried about James Harden shooting so badly every time we play a good team. A great team, I should say, which, you know, concerns me for the playoffs a bit. But the way Paul and Kawhi were able to take over the game and defensively in the third quarter was insane. Like just one on one defense. It felt like Kawhi Leonard was, you know, every time a player got beat off the balance, it felt like he was there. And remember, we don't have Zoo. They didn't have Porzingis. So neither of us have our starting centers. But Daniel Tice. I mean, he was just yeah. magnificent. 18 points, seven rebounds on eight for nine shooting, two for three from deep. Then Amir Coffey had 10 points. And Terrence Mann, the way he's been playing in this new year, he's got his three-point percentage up now to 30%. Hopefully it's going to keep getting better. But remember, he was like 16% at one point, And he had 14 points, six rebounds, and three dimes in a little homecoming game from him. The man from Lowell. Not the best performance of the season for the Clippers, but maybe the most satisfying in the sense that you mentioned that the Denver Nuggets, only the cream of the crop have beaten the Celtics in Boston this year. Denver and us, and they beat them in a close game. We beat them in a beatdown. Silence the arena. And I think that that just shows that the Clippers are right on the cusp of moving into those top three seeds. We were, th- we were third for a second. Denver beat Milwaukee, but we're really not that far behind the one seed. And if, if we're number one, Edwin, you don't want to hear me on this show. <laughs> I want to hear it. It's cool because it's only going to make the downfall even sweeter. But <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it, you're right. It's um, Yeah, I mean, the Clippers are good. There's no denying it at this point. Will it will it be enough? We'll see. But right now, yeah, I mean, there's there's no notes. And these games are the earmarkers. I remember the 2020 season. And even when we, we had all our wins, you know, looking back, oh, we won like 18 or 20. It was always like, okay, but are we going to beat the Bucks? Are we going to beat... You know, the, the teams, are we going to beat the Clippers as well? That was a benchmark, you know. And when the Lakers did that uh, right before lockdown and everything, that really felt satisfying for the same reason. It's like it doesn't actually matter more, but it does because we know that's our competition for where we want to go. Okay, we beat the Clippers. Good sign. Oh, we beat the Bucks. Giannis didn't go crazy from three like the first game. Okay, good sign. We're, we're, our record says we're here. We played the best teams. We beat them too. Things are looking good. So it's always good to kind of, kind of get that. Is it going to matter long term? Not really, because, you know, we'll get there when we get there. But it, it gives you the, the team confidence of like, okay, yeah, we went into Boston. Only team to say they got a W out of there was the champs. Oh, and us. Okay, cool. That, that lets it, And we could play better. So that, that's all positive right there. Speaking of all positive, oh, my goodness. Same night we got Lakers Warriors. Lakers Warriors. And, man, I knew I was in for a treat, but my goodness, was I in for a classic 145-144 double overtime. A little backstory on what I have to do. I cover uh, so much day-to-day for the Lakers on silver screen and roll, news articles, features, you name it, player grades, recaps. <laughs> it was actually my 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 the editor-in-chief, Jacob Root. He was out of town. He had his own, like, family stuff. We already knew about this, so I was running the site solo dolo and boy did i pick the wrong day to do that because i had a double overtime game so i was just there like 
working and writing and editing and like trying to get everything done. And I'm like, why would this team decide to overwhelm me when I'm by myself? But hey, the Lakers don't know the situation. They kind of kept going, but it was just really an interesting experience for me just watching this game. Like, oh, what's going to happen? And oh, this is changing my story and what I got to write about it. It was so long. It was an exhausting game. It's one of those games you're tired watching. You're just like, oh my God. And it was just such a good game. Anyone who's just a, a neutral person, I mean, it was a treat. You got big games from everybody, right? It was like a blockbuster movie. You got Kaminga with 22 points. You had Curry had 46 points. I mean, he was and he was on fire too. He killed it. He was clutch three after clutch three in, in the fourth quarter and overtime, double overtime. It kept looking like he put the nail in the coffin. And the Lakers would just respond back, respond back. A, a bucket from AD, a gutsy three from LeBron. D'Lo, we're talking about D'Lo. D'Lo was, was incredible when he had to be. He had his little roller coaster, which I want to get into in a minute. But he had 28 points, and he had a huge three when the Lakers were down two. And what was ridiculous about that moment was the audacity. He had four consecutive possessions where he did the worst possible thing. He had turnover, almost turnover, turnover, bad pass that accidentally ended up being an Anthony Davis layup. Like, it was just bad. And what did he do? He grabs the ball, and after four possessions in a row where he literally did the worst thing you could think of when he had the ball in his hand, he says, you know what? Nobody's here yet. I'm going to take a three with none of my teammates able to get the rebound because it's a fast-break opportunity. I'm just going to go for it. And he hit it. It was so wild. I'm like, the audacity of D'Lo to even take that shot. It's like, you've just played bad for like four possessions and your, your takeaway is, you know what? This is my shot. And he hit it. And it was not the main dagger, but it led to the dagger after LeBron iced the game with his free throws and wrapped it up. So props to D'Lo. And that's the kind of confidence that we love about D'Lo that he doesn't get in his head. We might get in our head. We might like judge game to game, but he's like, I'm a hooper, man. I'm going to take the shot if it's there. And he's like, it was in rhythm. And I'm like, I'm not thinking about those four bad plays. I'm just going to chuck a three and no one's there to, to rebound because I'm not waiting for anybody. <laughs> and he hit it. So an amazing game. Always feels good to let those Steph stands know that without KD, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on. And here's more evidence of that. Because when he's by himself, oh, baby, it's not so fun when the rabbit has the gun done. It's not so fun. It was a great game. Really great game. LeBron was magnificent. Uh, not like these last two games. But the whole team, you can say that about, though, just to, go, to prove LeBron's point himself. Like, this was like a team that was playing on the national stage that was not going to get embarrassed because the Warriors brought it, too, and they haven't been, play haven't been playing the best basketball. You know, it's my first time seeing the box score for this game, but I actually watched the game, and it was, it was amazing. Up and down. 119 shot attempts for the Warriors to 101 for the Lakers, but the Lakers had 43 free throws, so the Warriors 16. It didn't actually feel like that big of a disparity when I watched the game, but the Warriors, of course, you know, they shot 58 threes. The fact that they made 14 more threes than the Lakers and still lost the game is kind of wild. I have to say, D'Angelo Russell, he didn't shoot the ball well in the first half at all, but the way he turned up in the second half and the shots he made over and over in the second half were amazing. And I thought it was a very fascinating game just because two very polar opposite styles. You know, without Chris Paul, the Warriors play closer to their motion style. It's completely around Clay and Steph. And one thing I found very interesting in this game was that the Warriors were so bad without Draymond in. Like, they really couldn't guard at all. And AD and LeBron were putting on a show for the staff. But the Vando, like, this was, I got it. I took this stat. 
after the end of the third quarter, Torian Prince was minus 27 through three quarters, and Vandal was plus 20. I mean, I'm not even saying that just to trash Torian Prince, but Jared Vanderbilt was so active in the passing lanes, getting steals, finishing in transition. As I mentioned earlier, just transitioning from defense to offense. And I also thought it was just super interesting how many guys guarded LeBron, Kaminga, Draymond switched on to him. You had Klay Thompson starting out on him and then Wiggins for a large portion. Then in terms of the Lakers, you know, that high drop coverage that they always play with AD. Um, but then they also had Torian on him. I thought having Reeves on him to start the game was a very questionable decision. And I paused the game because I was watching a replay of it just to look at, okay, if I'm going to criticize Laker coaching staff decision for putting Reeves on Steph Curry, who would I put on him? And I was like, yeah, I would put Torian on him and probably put Reeves on Klay Thompson, who Reeves guarded in the playoffs last year and was not that bad on. So I was just very perplexed at that. You saw Vando guard Steph more in the fourth, and when he was doing that, when they put, you know, when Steph went to the Steph Dre pick and roll, Lakers are switching that with AD getting switched on to Steph, and they'll have Jared Vanderbilt guard Draymond no problem. But I have to say, Steph was cooking AD a little bit on the perimeter. It was pretty impressive. Um, I still think AD had an overall good defensive game, even though it's hard for me to say anybody had a good defensive game when it was 145 to 144. Double overtime, Dime. Double, double overtime. Time. I'll still give AD the credit for his defense along with Vanderbilt. But LeBron and D'Lo, the way they were able to turn up, and, you know, remember, the Lakers were down 114 to 105 with like four minutes left in the game. And then they went on a 12-0 run. And I think it just started with the Warriors are trying to make the threes to, you know, for the dagger. They missed. And those led to long rebounds. They got the Lakers in transition, got to the foul line, which stopped the clock. And then a couple of big threes by D'Lo. I think half of that uh, run, it may not have been that run, though, uh, was from D'Lo hitting threes. Uh, and then uh, another fun fact about that fourth fun for Laker fans, of course, the dubs went one for 13 in the fourth from three splash bros, one for nine from three in the fourth and D'Lo had 11 points in the fourth. So really clutch stuff from him clutch shot by clay Thompson to send the game in a double OT, but LeBron, I got to give him a shout out the three ball to make it 133, 130, I believe. And then the turnaround jump shot. LeBron at one point in this game made a turnaround over his left shoulder. That's when I know he's feeling himself because he does not shoot that very much. He's much, he's really gotten better at that turnaround over his right shoulder, but left, it, it's usually when he's really hot, he'll take that shot and he made it. And then I always expect LeBron in those big free throw situations to make one miss one. The fact that he made both after what was going to be a game winner by Steph, huge clutch free throws by LeBron. And I can't remember too many times where he's hit two big ones. Like even that, I will say there was, I think it was game two of the 2012 finals. He had two huge free throws, but remember that maybe the biggest free throw of his career to put the Cavs up 93, 89 against the Warriors in game seven, he split them one yeah, out of two. Them. So and remember what he did after he did it? When he hit the one, he was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember so he put his fist up at going to the bench like, okay, I made one of them though because that 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 changed the amount of you know what they needed to to try to come back. So no, yeah, you're you're 100 right. And man, I had a point I wanted to make about the game. I think um yeah, you you're right about the the Reeves thing. I think that was interesting. Oh yes, this is what I wanted to say. We gotta keep in mind, especially for people who didn't watch or don't remember, Davis went down. He yeah, got I hit twice. Say that. 
on his on his like groin area two times. I think I think one was Curry, one was Drake. Again, nothing malicious, just you know, they're going for the ball and you know, taking a shot, coming down. He got hit, and that groin's been an issue kind of all season. It's been kind of sensitive. So he went down bad. He toughed it out to hit his free throws so he could be allowed back in, but he couldn't even walk. He hobbled off the bench, off the court, went to the back of the locker room. I thought he's done. Hopefully he's not done for weeks, but he's done tonight. And no, he wasn't done. He came back with eight minutes and change in the fourth, and he played, and he played pretty good. He wasn't he wasn't clearly a hundred percent, and that's again not to take away from Cur- from Curry's shot making, but he definitely took care of a, a, a Davis who went down with a groin injury clearly in the game. But again, he did his thing, he did his job. You know, I'll give him his props, but that's one thing about oh, what's wrong with Davis? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm surprised he played. I thought he was definitely out, but. Again, for everyone who's ever said anything about Davis and he's not tough, this is all, this should put it to rest. He toughed it out. He had to leave. He came back when they were down by a lot. Like you said, they were down most of the fourth quarter. He toughed it out, played the rest of it, played every minute of the first overtime, every minute of the second overtime. He still played on Monday, uh, the first game of a back-to-back. He didn't play in the last one, but he's been gutting it for a team that's at this point sub-500. You know, and he's he's been he's been out there. He's missed three games. He's played more minutes than any player in the NBA over the last 365 days. So he's been consistent as you could want. Uh, it would be nice to see more wins in the win column. This is a good one, and this is the kind you show the team to show them, hey, this is what you can be. And let's get less of that mediocrity we've been getting. But we'll see what's going to happen if they can put it together, or if they need a couple of roster changes to keep it consistent. But this is them at their kind of best. All right, this one I actually didn't uh, see much of, so I'm going to need you to kind of carry us here. 118-108, uh, the Cavs took care of this with the Clippers. Uh, can, you, can you kind of, you know, give me a little bit of, of uh, intel on this game? What happened here? What, what caused this Clippers loss? Yeah, I went live after this one. Uh, the Cavs played really well. Donovan Mitchell was awesome, but Paul George and James Harden, bad games on the same night again, just like you saw against the Lakers in the second. Was it the second loss? I think it was. Do you guys were Paul and Harden were bad? No, it was, that was, it was um, it's Kawhi and Harden that were bad against the Lakers the yeah. second time. Um, but against Minnesota, Paul and Harden were bad. This one's same kind of deal. Kawhi was really the only one that I thought was great out of the stars. Um, but I think it shows Cleveland, you know, Evan Mobley came back and they're a bigger team. Isaac Okoro did a really good job on James Harden and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen at times switched onto the perimeter and did a pretty decent job. So I think what you'll, you're seeing is, and especially without Zubots, like if you look, Jared Allen had 20 points and 17 boards in the game. Mm-hmm. Without Zubots, you know, we don't have nearly the same rim protection, but I also thought our defense just wasn't sharp enough just from an individual standpoint from a lot of guys, particularly Harden, um, a little bit of Norm. But Paul George just took bad shots. Like In the second half, he got going, but he took bad shots in the first half. James Harden could barely get shots off. Like, you know, he only shot eight times and he played 39 minutes. So I got to give Cleveland credit for that, especially Okoro, who had a big scoring game as well. I think he had 15 or 17 points in the game. But um, I think one of the Clippers' weaknesses is that we're a little thin in the front court. Of course, Zubas didn't play, but we are a little thin in the front court. Traded big forwards away for Harden. We rely on Kawhi a lot when our bigs get pulled out or put in the action. That backside help is almost always Kawhi. And I think he's done an amazing job with it. But the Clippers lost to the Lakers, who play at times multiple bigs. 
Lost the Wolves, who play two centers, essentially. Now lost the Cavs, who play two guys you can play at the five. So one thing to watch from the Clippers is their lack of size in the front court an issue. Because, and also, you can't have Paul George and James Harden have stinkers on the same game. And what I'm also worried about is, again, good teams defensively, James Harden. Also, some games are going to be Westbrook games and not Harden games. But until the big four proves that they can play together positively, it feels like Ty Lu is always going to take a chance with Harden, even if he hasn't played well till the fourth, even if Russ is playing better than him. You know what I mean? Because they've kind of like yeah. given him the keys. And I think, you know, there's going to be games, in my opinion, where Russ might just be better for that game. You know, he just brings things that Harden doesn't. And vice versa, of course. But... I don't want to be too married to Harden because you know how I feel about him in the playoffs at times. And I think we're playing him a lot of minutes too. I don't want him to get burned out like he has in the past, especially because if he's really, I don't know, I haven't heard anything about the partying or anything like that, but if he's still living his normal lifestyle and yeah, it's all basketball and partying and not much, much sleep. It's like, I don't want bro to get burned out. I know he has a lesser <laughs> role on this team, but it's a, you know, it's a marathon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, yes, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think that that big argument you make is is good, especially for a team like the, the Clippers. They have the luxury of thinking long term. Like, look, either way, unless they have a fall off, they're going to be a top four seed. We'll see if, how high they get up there, but they can start kind of thinking more of, OK, again, do they need to pick up someone on a 10 day? Do they need to make a little bit of a roster spot and take a chance on someone? And and, and th those are the kind of things they, they can think about. Um, not making a huge play or a huge splash, they already did that. But, you know, can you just use a body that you think, hey, they might be able to help me? Like the Lakers did last year with Tristan Thompson, where they said, hey, we think he might give us a shift in the playoffs. And at this point, that's valuable to us. That might be something the, the Clippers will have to consider, especially with Zoo being out. I know he's going to come back, but you know, do you have an insurance policy? Is it something to look into, seeing if you can, you know, clear up some space at the back of the roster for a player that, you know, you can take a flyer on and and, and see if they can, you know, give you a shift or so or, or be there in an emergency? It, that might be an important thing to consider uh, as we head towards um, past the trade deadline, even into players that end up on the waiver wire and things of that nature. All right, so last game we're going to talk about, we'll make it quick so we can jump into the standings section, which is a new segment we're doing. We have Rockets, Lakers. This was a rough one, 135-119, another bad loss, the first bad loss in, in the back-to-backs. They lost both back-to-backs. And this one was bad for so many reasons. One, the team just didn't bring the energy. You could tell after that, again, after that great game, they said, okay, we we, we did it. We did it, y'all. And it's like, no, you didn't. We have a six-game road trip. You, got, you better start bringing it. And they did not bring it against Houston. They got beat 135-119, uh, second time they've lost to Houston. Uh, it was kind of the same story. Um, you had Sangoon, who just was, was going off. Last time he went off without AD. Now AD's here. He was still going off. He had a pretty good game. Um, you know, 31 points. I mean, my goodness. I didn't, even know, I didn't even know it was that good, but it was pretty good. And then he agitated. Dylan the villain. He did his job. He got Vandal upset, and Vandal ended up getting two texts quick, got ejected from the game, and that, to me, killed any chance the Lakers had of winning because they already were trailing. They were already getting beat, and it's like, okay, we just lost our best wing defender for no reason because he just – I mean, I get it. I'm sure he was being annoying and all this stuff, doing the Dylan Brooks things, but he laughed immediately after because he's like, I got you. Like, you know, like that's the whole point. I, I already made the biggest impact in the game. I just took out the best defender. Guess what? 
That means we're going to get even more Torian Prince. You guys are down. How are you going to rally back without, you know, him on the floor? And the Lakers didn't. And it was just a rough game, ugly game. And, you know, 135-119, uh, you didn't even get AD back in the fourth. They just rested him. And like we mentioned, he, he missed the next game. Uh, LeBron had to play heavy minutes. And that, this is what really gets me frustrated about games like this. It's bad enough they lost. It's bad enough they lost in a blowout. It's even worse that LeBron had to play 37 minutes. I was so upset, Dime, when they, they kept LeBron in, in the fourth. And I get it. Part of your whole thing, like, be out there. He was out there. But for me, I'm like, okay, but why? Just so we could say we got within 11 points at a certain point. For me personally, I was like, you know what? Let's just get embarrassed. Let's lose by 30, and at least he, he rests those 12 minutes. But he played 37 minutes uh, in this game, and I'm just not happy with that. I'm already unhappy with the result. Like, can he at least get rest? Let me find out he played 37 minutes in a blowout like that we lost. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, tonight was the same thing against the Hawks. He played 36 minutes. If he didn't play 37 and 36 minutes, we either should win the game or be in the game. And, you know, hey, that's part of basketball. But to have two blowouts where he where your oldest player played 35-plus minutes, like, I don't know. What do you think? Should, should they have sat him in the fourth? Or are, are you, you know, married to the whole, like, do your job, you know, fine you know, exhaust yourself in a blowout. The game was over. I didn't even know he came. I stopped watching after the third quarter. So I didn't <laughs> even know he was still in. So He played most of the fourth, yes. I mean, I would love to hear what the behind the scenes is there. Is, is Darvin pushing that? Is LeBron pushing that? I'm not sure, you know. Good question. Uh, I forgot the exact answer, Darvin game, but it kind of the same answer he always gives, which is like, we thought we could make a run. We mm -hmm. put him in to see if he could make a run. And they did make a run, but I mean – a run when you're down 24, that makes it 13. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, they did make a run, I'll be honest, but so it, it wasn't stat line looks. You're saying the stat line looks a little bit better than it uh, actually is for this game? 100%. Yeah, they were out of it. Bro, I don't think anybody played well. Like I, started, I think the Lakers like legit quit like before the game even began. Like It was a joke. It was a joke. The, the guys in the halftime studio were saying the same thing. No energy. Cam Whitmore... Mm -hmm. Literally ran coast to coast, no resistance, no nothing. I mean, it was yeah. how do you perform like that? And then the next night, you basically don't guard anybody. Like, this Laker team is very unserious right now. You know, I'm tired of Edwin. I'm going to say it. I'm really tired of this guy. And I really like him before, but I don't like the way he is any playing anymore. Austin Reeves. I wow. legit think he just ball pounds and looks to shot hunt and get fouled too much. Like, he just – it feels like he kills the ball uh, movement of the Lakers. You already have LeBron and D'Lo, who are orchestrators in their own way. They're, you know, LeBron's not – his teams are never known for great ball movement. But they get good shots because of him. And, and plus, your best player now is a big man that scores primarily around the basket. Like, I just feel like Reeves is making an, just another pick-and-roll guy, taking the ball away. And if you could replace him with either a better pick-and-roll guy that can guard a little more. I, I, my point is, if they're going to trade a guard, I think I got to remove the untouchable from Reeves. I don't think he's ever going to be a star. He's like a Tyler Hero level player. D'Lo's better than him. Like, I think D'Lo's better than him. And I think he's, I get it. Like he's a likable guy. You know, his, you know, his faces are on the billboards, Lemon Daddy or whatever that is. I see it all over the place. <laughs> I liked him in the past, but he just ball pounds for me too much. And I think that there might be a, a little bit of a addition by subtraction on defense for the Lakers if they get rid of him then it just lets D'Lo shine because I think as I said the better D'Lo you get the better this team can get 
I don't think Reeves is actually going to get traded, but I'm kind of getting tired of his ass. Yeah, I think that um, he's going through growing pains. This is a very niche story <laughs> that uh, only one person in the world would even know this story, but, and then they're not going to hear it because I haven't talked to him in years. But I had a high school friend. Uh, let's call him Mac <laughs> because that's, I have a MacBook here. So I, I had a, car, a friend named Mac. His name wasn't Carlos either, but that was the other name I was thinking of. So don't worry. So anyway, his name's Mac in this story. And I played high school ball with him. I played like street ball with him, not like organized, but we would play street ball. And the first year we played together, it was like, I think it was, we were sophomores. He was horrible. He loved basketball, but he was horrible. But he also knew he was horrible. He was a really good passer. So we would kill people on two on two because he knew I'm just going to pass it to Edwin, get out the way and let Edwin cook. And it worked great. So, so we, he loved playing with me because he would get the wins he never could get by himself. And I love playing with him. So I'm like, this is great. I just get the ball and I get to cook and we're winning games. We played more and more, Dime. And as we started to play, he started to get better. He started to get pretty good. I, in my opinion, he never got as good as me, but he started to get pretty good, especially like just random pickup games with random people. And the second year when we were juniors, I wasn't getting fed the ball as much as I used to. He started pounding the rock oh he's got the three and i'm like hey what happened i like playing with you because you just fed me the ball but now he's at the, he's at the three-point line with the ball like i got this set set the pick for me and i'm like mm, i don't like it and we were still able to win most of our games but we had a lot of friction and why it's because he got better as a ball player so he didn't want to do the pass to edwin stuff anymore he wanted to cook himself and we had to go through our growing pains of that because that changed Reeves is my friend Mac, where now that he's getting some of that stardom, now that he's getting those guaranteed minutes, he thinks he's him like he thought against the Grizzlies, and he's playing like that. You're seeing him less do the pick and rolls, fighting on the screens, diving for the balls, and you're seeing more of pounding the rock, going for that shot, doing more of it. Do I think he can develop and grow a little bit more? Yeah, I think he can. I think... He still has a little bit more room to grow, but he's got to find the balance. Right now, that balance is off. Like it was with my friend. He took some shots that were bad. Now, granted, I was taking bad shots too, but he was taking shots that were bad because he started fooling himself too much. Like, oh, no, I got this. Like, you don't got it yet. Like, let, can we easy in? And his answer was no. And Reeves answered probably no as well. He's like, I fought for this my whole career. I got this opportunity. I'm taking it. So I think Reeves is going through some growing pains as well. It's tough. Again, it's tough being a Laker because you get all these eyes on you and you might not be ready for it. And the good news is when you're good with the Lakers, you get the Lemon Daddy commercial, you get shoe deals you probably wouldn't get if you were doing the same thing somewhere else. But as you know, it flips. You start playing bad, the LeBron fans ain't going to look at LeBron as a problem. They're going to be like, hey, you, you're getting cooked. You're getting beat. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing this. You're doing that. You know, you're out, out. We want stars. Get out of here. So Reeves is kind of dealing with that too, right? Uh, he gets an all-star selection, it top 10 votes, and people are mad. He's in the, you know, USA select team, and people are mad. He's in the pool of 40 players, and they're like, he's not worth it. And, you know, look at – here's evidence. He's getting cooked by trade. He's not worth it. So he's also got to deal with those things as well. And I, I definitely feel what you're saying. I see why it happens, and I'm rooting for him if he stays on the team which I think he will, just like you. I don't think he gets traded. If he stays on the team, he's going to have to find that balance between the player he wants to be, the player he is, and how to progress there in a healthy way. And right now, I agree with you. It's been a little unhealthy. It's been like he's kind of forced it a little. And again, are you that guy? 
I think the answer right now is like maybe not not yet. So maybe pass a little bit more. Remember the things that got you here and start incorporating the things you want to do. It's been a lot quickly and especially offensively. I, I just think he he isn't quite there. And then the defense is definitely something he needs to work on. So hopefully he gets it together. Hopefully he he's able to balance that and we get less of the bad raves because we've we've gotten a good amount of it. And again, the West is tough. There's just a lot of really, really good teams. So uh, you get exposed, uh, you know, qu quickly out here. And that's what's happening uh, in a lot of these matchups. All right. So let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the standings. Again, we did this uh, last week for the first time, uh, checking in the standings. So these are the standings as of um, midnight, essentially, on Wednesday morning. You want to think of it that way. So it's all the games that happen on Tuesday. So any Wednesday games, they're not going to be here. Uh, before I go into them, we're going to start with the East Dime. How do you want me to do it? You want me to start from number 10 up to 1 or 1 down to 10? What do you think is the best way? Let's go from 12 to 1 because 12, they're in the race. Those three teams, <clears throat> Washington, Charlotte, and uh, Detroit are done. Okay, you know what? We'll, let, let's do that, but I'll, I'll quickly go through all of them. So 15, Detroit, 14. Washington, 13. Charlotte, they're out of here, according to Dime. So in the mix, we have the Raptors at 12, the Brooklyn Nets at 11, and then technically in the play right now at number 10, we got the Atlanta Hawks, number nine, those Chicago Bulls, number eight, my Orlando Magic, number seven, <laughs> they're, they're my elite pass team, that's why. Number seven, we got the Miami Heat, and then right now, guaranteed playoff spots as things stand. Number six, we got the Pacers. Five, we got the Sixers. Four, Cavs. Three, Knicks. Two, Bucks with their new coach coming soon. And number one, we got the Boston Celtics. All right, so Dine, right now that's where things stand. Uh, what's something about these uh, Eastern Conference standings you kind of want to point attention to? The New York Knicks have won eight straight games and are the third seed right now. Jalen Brunson is on an absolute tear, and OG Ananobi has been a godsend addition for them. I think they've been really impressive. Glenn Rivers getting hired, just, you know, you know how I feel about Glenn. That just, they've put the nail in the coffin. The, the Bucs aren't winning a championship this year. You can count them out completely. Philly, I'm very worried about Joel Embiid's knee. They've lost four consecutive games. Robert Covington has been injured a lot, so the Clippers may have dodged a bullet with that. Nicholas Batum is injured right now. They gotta, I mean, get Embiid healthy to get that top three seed or else they're going to get bounced by the Celtics again in the second round. Cleveland's been playing excellent. They impressed me with that win. Donovan Mitchell is having a quietly amazing season. He's just very consistent year in, year out. Great stuff in the regular season. And then uh, Jared Allen as well. And then Pascal Siakam. I haven't watched much of him on the Pacers, but clearly they're doing pretty well. They've won. Actually, no, they have four and six in their last 10, but there's six games over 500. Halliburton's back. Then the Miami Heat have lost seven games in a row, and they find themselves in playing territory now. So East is shaken up. Yeah. No, that's great insight from you there, uh, kind of laying out uh, the picture. I agree with you. I think that um, what's interesting now, and we'll see if things stay this tight, I think they will in both um, conferences, is you get a bad week or two, and it can go it – can, it can turn on you in a, on a dime. Next thing you know now, like you said, I think last week we weren't really talking too much with the Knicks. They only had like two or three of those eight games, but now they're at eight, and then we're starting to see things flip, right? The Heat have just been going the wrong direction. 
The Knicks are going up there. Like you said, the context of the Bucks. Now you're like, how stable is that? Next thing you know, now, last week, if you told me, hey, do you think the Knicks make uh, the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm like, probably not. Now I'm like, I can definitely see it. I can definitely see it. They stay just a little bit closer to what they've been doing. Obviously, they're not going to keep winning every game straight, but they're on a roll right now. And with the Bucks looking a little shaky, that just leaves the Celtics at one. And you could definitely go up to two. And same thing, Sixers going down. You're worried about Embiid. It's still a lot of time left, a lot of fluctuation that's happening. I do wonder if the Nets sneak in there because I feel like with the, the Bulls and Hawks being sellers, that might mean they, if they get rid of the, their players and really go for like, we just want picks, we just want assets, they'll probably drop out of the plan. And that gives the chance for Brooklyn and the Raptors to jump in. Masai uh, of the Raptors already mentioned that they're not done. So they might not be big moves, but they, he's, he mentioned they're not done with their trades and their moves. So if he's looking to get better and the Hawks and Bulls get worse, you might see Brooklyn and the Raptors in there. But like you said, I think the other three, Pistons, Wizards, Hornets, you, you can throw them away. We got 12 teams we're talking about. At least. All right, let's go to the West. Same thing. We're going to mainly focus on 12 and up because it's the same story here. Spurs, they're done. They're 15. The Blazers, they're out of here. They're 14. The Grizzlies, I know we got some Grizzly fans, but guess what? They, they're not doing anything. They're just signing G League players every day, so it's over for them. All right, number 12, the first contender we have are the Warriors, 20 and 24. Then we have the Rockets at 11. Number 10 right now is the Utah Trash. Nine, Lakers. Eight, Pels. Seven, Mavericks. Now, officially secured playoff spots if things ended right now. Number six, we have the Suns. Five, we have the Kings. Four, we have the Clippers. Three, we have the Thunder. Two, we have the Denver Nuggies. And number one, the T-Wolves. So looking at this playoff picture here, we talked to, we last week we talked about the Warriors not being in the top 10. Obviously, that hasn't changed because it's only been a week. But what stands out to you so far uh, looking at the standings here? So what stands out to me is that the Clippers are creeping up on that number one seed. That's what uh, stands out to me. We are right there. Only one back in the loss column behind Minnesota. Denver is now in the two seed. I, I really want the Clippers to finish above Denver. But I got to give a shout out to a team I don't like, the Phoenix Buns. They've been playing really well lately, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Devin Booker's heating up. And what stands out to me a little bit, Sacramento Kings. Quietly have won four in a row. 27-18, fifth seed, continuing where they left off last season. And, showing that they are a real team that's going to try to be in the plan or sorry playoffs outright two years in a row and then not much change in the bottom Dallas New Orleans Lakers Utah Houston Golden State I think it was something similar to that last time we did this so yeah for me I'm going to focus on uh, the Lakers for a moment and say despite everything despite the frustrations the cryptic tweets the two back-to-back losses guess what Utah has helped us by also being poor so guess what we're still the nice seat if things did it now, you have a home game against the Jazz. I think they win that. And I'm you I'd be a little nervous if Dallas uh loses to the Pelicans, because then it'd be uh Lakers uh you know Dallas for the eighth spot. But minus that, you still gotta feel okay. I'm I'm feeling less encouraged about them going on a run and getting top six, because that's that's my goal at this point. I think get top six, avoid the plan. I feel like that's kind of starting to get a little dicey because that's seven games above 500. That's the Lakers going to eight-game winning streak, and then those teams dropping a few games. 
it's tough to do that at this point in the season, especially just to demand that from yourself. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that, but I look at the situation and say, okay, despite everything, they still have a chance to move up in the play-in, get a decent spot, and I think they can still definitely make noise because I look at, especially number two right now, again, that's going to fluctuate. Number two would make me nervous if it was the Nuggets, but number one, Timberwolves, I'm not really too worried about that matchup. I would like that one. And then, you know, again, then like you said, second round, you can't be picky, so we see what happens. So even with everything happening and everything not looking good, they're still not in a terrible spot given the situation. Let's see if they can right the ship. You're still the ninth seed. We checked last week they were the ninth seed. They're still the ninth seed. They stick out the tiebreaker over Utah, so they're good there. They need to start turning it around. So we'll see if they can get it done. And, yeah, Sacramento is starting to look a little bit better, which is good because I liked them last year, and this year they've been disappointing. But um, a couple wins, and next thing you know, you're, you're back kind of where we expect you to be. So that's been good to see. All right, so let's go into the games happening this week. It's going to be a wild week because, like I said, it's the final week before the deadline. We'll be recording right before the deadline uh, a couple days before, so we'll be kind of getting close to it. Uh, but we'll see you know, uh, if um, any major moves happen. But we're just going to assume, I guess for the most part, that there won't be any major moves. So we can just go ahead and go with the predictions and we'll see how things go. So we got, I didn't even know this, we got the Clippers playing on Wednesday, early game. They're going to be on the road against Washington, four o'clock. I'm going to go with a Clippers win. I mean, the Washington's not in the mix for much of anything. Uh, Are you feeling the same way, Don? Confident, yeah. And we're playing Detroit next. Can you just get that as a win as well? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with that one too. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll still do it, um, you know, by the order. Let me also write down our results here because I, I got to make sure I'm keeping track of this. So we got Clippers dub against uh, the uh, Wizards. And we both say also the same thing, Clippers dub against the Pistons. Okay, cool. So that's the Wednesday game. And then on Thursday, uh, Lakers-Celtics. You know, everything in me tells me that this team is not ready to beat the Boston Celtics. So, of course, I'm picking the Lakers to beat the Celtics. Whatever. This team loves to play good against the best. And the Celtics are technically at that level. So, guess what? The Lakers are going to mollywop them. And uh, Titans going to what the bet again. I'm going Celtics. Okay, cool. That's where we're going to split. Okay, cool. So, I got Lakers uh, beating the Celtics, which is a risky pick, and you got uh, Boston taking care of business, which is probably uh, the logical choice. And again, we talked about the Pistons. The Pistons are the Pistons. They've been playing better though. They've won two of their last three, I think. But um, you know, I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Clippers. So, so we're both going to go with the the W for the Clippers there, and probably a, a dominant win. All right. So after that, we head towards the weekend. We got the Lakers playing the New York Knicks. We know way too many New Yorkers for the Lakers to disappoint me here. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to say that New York takes care of business. I think that I think the Lakers will do well against Boston and then struggle against the Knicks. Who do you have in uh, Lakers-Knicks on a Saturday? I'm going with New York. They're playing too well right now. I have no yeah. trust in the Lakers to win these games. That's fair. They, they haven't earned your trust, that's for sure. All right. And then um, the final – well, we have, we have actually two games here for the Clippers. So let's go with the first one here, Sunday. We have them at Miami. So they're on the road. Again, everyone's – in case you're wondering, hey, why is everyone on the road? Lakers are on the road, Clippers are on the road. It's the Grammy trip. The Grammys are this weekend in Los Angeles, and they spend pretty much the whole week preparing the stadium and getting all that ready. So both the Lakers and Clippers, that's why they're on the road and playing all these East Coast teams because they're handling their business well. Uh, the biggest night in music's happening inside Crypto.com Arena. So 
Sunday, Grammys are happening. The Lakers are going to be, not the Lakers, the Clippers are going to be playing uh, the Heat. Who do you got winning that one? I did actually say the Heat were going to win this game when we, uh, when I predicted the road trip record. So I'm just going to stick with that and say Miami will beat us. Okay, here I'm going to Zach. I'm going to say the, the the Clippers take care of business. I think they're they're going to take care of business against Miami. They've been struggling, as we've mentioned, and I think the Clippers are just in too good of a form. If if you're struggling against the Clippers right now, you really got to say, okay, like I'm bringing it. And I, I just think you know it's the regular season. Miami kind of is like this. I'm not too worried about Miami, but for a regular season game, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Clippers there. All right, now we're gonna bounce back to the Lakers. Uh, February fifth. On Monday, they're playing the Charlotte Hornets. I'm going to say the Lakers take care of business. Charlotte's, like we said, out of the mix. And even though the Lakers have been disappointing against teams out of the mix, I don't think Charlotte's going to be doing much of anything on, on this game. What do you think? I'm going to say the same thing. Lakers win it. Okay, fantastic. And then uh, I don't think we have any more Clipper games because we're probably recorded before that. And same with the Lakers. So we'll see. We'll be done with the Lakers road trip. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. Trade deadline is going to be bananas, Diane. We got the trade deadline on February 8th. You know what else February 8th is? Lakers Nuggets in LA. They're back from the Grammy trip. You know what else that day is? The Kobe statue unveiling. So I'm going to be very busy on February 8th. If you're a religious person, say a prayer for me. I don't know what's going to happen and what I'm going to be doing. I know I'll be covering everything. But I'm very scared about the trifecta of the Nuggets in town, a trade deadline, and a statue <laughs> all in one day. It's it's um say what you want about the team. Things are never boring in Lakerland, are they? Done? No doubt. No doubt. So yeah, we'll be here covering it. We'll be here talking about it, probably previewing all that information, what we have, see where things are. Maybe there's been some trades, maybe there hasn't been. And, and kind of doing also a preview of that deadline uh, for the next pod. We'll make sure we have a segment for that. Um, but that's the end of the episode. Once again, this is Basketball on Figueroa. I'm Evan Garcia. That is Dar E. N. Vaziri. And we're out. <laughs>